How's the patient? Good morning. Make sure that air conditioning is good and chilly because we're going to heat this place up a little bit this morning. Yesterday afternoon, I came home from a five-hour seminar here at the church, and I'd been home about 15 minutes when the phone rang, and Becky said it was Jeremy. I said, I'm not home. She said, no, he really needs to talk to you. I said, I'm not home. Picked up the phone, and in this half-dying voice, Oh, Rich, oh, Mark can't preach tomorrow. You probably know why I'm calling. Kind of funny, the last time I was in the pulpit, does anyone know the circumstances surrounding the last time I was in the pulpit? It was Easter. What was going on at Easter? Jennifer was having number four, so I got the call from the bullpen. Uh, today, uh, Kim Jennings, or, or sometime in the very near future, uh, Kim Jennings will be, be having a, a little one. And uh, so I'm, I'm here this morning in the pulpit. So there's been a lot more uh, prayer than preparation for this sermon. And I hope there'll be a lot of prayer in the pews for this sermon. <laughs> Pastor Jeremy said, well, just take an old youth message, dust it off, adulterize it, and preach it. <laughs> I said, okay, you can do that. But I, I laid on my bed, thoroughly exhausted from this seminar, thinking, you know, I could do that, but what can I preach that Jeremy can't preach? And what does a congregation most need right now to be pushed to go forward. And it came to me that the thing that Jeremy can't preach that I can preach, and that what we really need for our congregation to keep moving forward, is to preach on ways in which we can bless our pastor. Amen? So in your uh, announcement bulletin, you'll find a little slip of paper like this. I want you to use it this morning, because it took me an hour and a half to pull out all the Isaiah ones and put these, cut these up and put them in last night at 8 o'clock, right? So at least pretend like you're using this this morning. How to Bless Your Pastor, that's the title. Uh, it's going to be more of a, a pep talk and a message than a sermon. There's not going to be a lot of in-depth exegetical study, but I promise you that will be back in the pulpit next week. Uh, but I believe that what God uh, has to say through me this morning uh, is, is a powerful message for our congregation. So let's begin with prayer. Father God, I'm confident that you are in the house this morning, and I pray that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Lord, the words that I speak, that they would be true and powerful and change our faith community, and not because of the person who speaks them, but because of the person who's behind them, you, Lord. Uh, Father, may we be encouraged, and may we find ways to encourage and, and uh, spur on our pastor as we spend this next half an hour together. In Jesus' name. And the people of the Lord said, Amen. Amen. Alright, Rich's top six list of ways to bless Pastor Jeremy. Number six, encourage. It's kind of a no-brainer. Encourage. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And I believe, in fact, we are doing this. There's a lot of folks who are very encouraging to Pastor Jeremy. Um, some of you probably think he gets enough encouragement that saying, attaboy, good sermon after the, you know, his message on Sunday morning is enough. And you know, he doesn't do this for attaboys, but it sure is nice when someone takes the time to sit down and just express a few thoughts of appreciation and encouragement to the pastor. Not that was a good sermon, but you know, when you spoke about this, it really touched my life. You know, when you preached on this, it was as if you were just speaking to me. Thanks for being my pastor. So if you've never done it, take five, ten minutes this week. You know, you can send him an email, but it would be even more exciting if you just took a handwritten note. Nobody does that anymore. You know, he'll be able to decipher it. If not, the secretary can try to decipher handwriting. Uh, but just jot off, you know, a few words of appreciation and encouragement. It doesn't seem like pastors get discouraged. Um, but there's a lot on Jeremy's plate right now, and a little encouragement might be a wonderful thing for him. So number one, number six, we're going backwards, encourage. Number five, this is a big one, expectations, expectations. In the 18th chapter of Exodus, uh, Moses' father-in-law teaches Moses a really important lesson. Um, you can turn there if you want. 
verses 13 to 23. I don't know what page it's on in the Pew Bibles. Somebody who finds it can yell it out if you want. But Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 23, Moses has this large group of people he's responsible for out in the wilderness, and it's, it's too many people for him to care for. There's just too many folks. They can't all bring every little concern to Moses. He's just getting exhausted. So Jethro says, Dude, you can't just keep trying to care for all the thousands of people. You've got to get organized here. You've got to delegate. You've got to have some people under you. And then the smaller things, you know, that don't have to go to you, can go to them. And only the really important stuff, the crucial stuff, the stuff that only you can deal with, that comes to you. And these other guys take care of the rest. That was a really important lesson for Moses to learn. You know, God only knows what would have happened to him if he didn't learn that lesson. But he had a really large congregation. And he couldn't possibly care for the needs of all of them. Expectations. Our church, in case you haven't noticed, has been growing considerably and quite rapidly. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great blessing from God. Can anyone here remember the days of Pastor Glenn Evans? Raise your hand if you remember Pastor Glenn Evans. Yeah. Pastor Glenn was here 30 or so years ago. He, was, he is a wonderful man of God and an incredible pastor. He spent hours and hours in people's homes pastoring his sheep. And it was a wonderful time in this church. And some of you guys remember that really well. But that was a different time. That was a different time. Our congregation was much smaller then. The number of sheep to be pastored was much smaller. I'm going to challenge you guys, and this is hard for some of you, and you may not be able to hear, but you need to let go of some of the expectations that you have on your pastor. We have over 600 people, not counting another 60 or 70 kids in the nursery, worshiping every Sunday. There is no possible way one senior pastor can provide the pastoral care for a congregation our size and growing. It just can't happen. What does that mean? It means that you can't expect Pastor Jeremy to visit you in your home. It means you can't expect Pastor Jeremy to even visit you in the hospital. Now, that's not to say that he won't. It's possible, but you can't expect it. You can't think that it's owed to you, that that's the way the system works. It was that way in the past. It can't be that way in the present. It just can't. There's no possible way Jeremy can provide the pastoral needs uh, for our, our size congregation. But fortunately, there are all kinds of people out there who can provide pastoral care. We have Associate Pastor Seth. We have elders and deacons. We have ministry team leaders, women's ministry leaders, couples ministry leaders. Uh, we have senior fellowship ministry leaders. We have small group Bible study leaders. There's all kinds of folks in our congregation who need to step up and provide for our congregation what Jeremy can't possibly provide any longer. It's hard to change your expectations if you're used to things being one way. I know change is difficult. But we have to do it. We have to change what we expect from the senior pastor. We can't just walk into the church, walk down the hall, and stop in at his office. It used to be like that. It can't be like that any longer. I know it's hard. You have to call the church secretary and actually make an appointment to see the senior pastor. And then realize you might not get to see him or not for a while. That's difficult. It's change. But one way we can bless Jeremy is to adjust our expectations. So five, expectations. Four, grace. Grace. We've got E-E-G-G-S. I tried to come up with a word... I couldn't make anything out of it, so it's E-eggs e we got. E-eggs. Grace. Colossians 4.6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversations about Jeremy be filled with grace. And let your conversations with Jeremy be filled with grace. It's a universal principle. It doesn't just apply to your pastor. But if you're like me, there's some people for whom it's easier to show grace. Now, I have a sister-in-law who's one of God's special people, special children. She's mentally retarded. She's a wonderful woman. But I show her a ton of grace when I talk with her. 
Because I know that she needs grace. It's just obvious. But there's some other people that I show less grace with. And you know, Pastor Jeremy's one of them. Why? Because he's almost perfect, for goodness sake. You know, I mean, he doesn't need grace because he does everything right. He does everything well. That's not true. It's not, I mean, excuse me. It's not that it's not true that he doesn't do everything well, but it's not true that he doesn't need grace. We need to show Pastor Jeremy the same kind of grace uh, that we're willing to show other folks who are more evidently in need of God's grace. So season your speech with grace, both when you're talking with Jeremy and when you're talking about Jeremy. That's a universal principle that we should apply in our relationships you know, with everyone in the church, but particularly with our pastor. It will be a blessing to Jeremy if we're intentional about being gracious in our speech about him and with him. Although sometimes you do need to say some difficult things to the senior pastor or the leadership of the church. Sometimes there are things that you see that can be made better and we want to keep making things better. Right? So number three is grumble. Grumble. I'm not encouraging you to grumble. But when, but when it's time to grumble... We need to grumble the right way. In the 14th chapter of Numbers, uh, the spies have just gone you know, to check out the promised land and they've come back with a bad report and the people start to grumble. And they're grumbling against Moses saying, why'd you bring us out here into the wilderness to die? We were better off in slavery. Grumble, 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 grumble. And they're grumbling against their leader. And then later on, they end up getting punished by God because they grumbled against their leader. Now, I don't want to tell you that if you grumble against Jeremy, God's going to like zap you or something. He might, but I'm not going to tell you he's going to do that. But if you're going to grumble, I want to give you some guidelines to guide your grumbling. First of all, if your grumble is against another person, go talk to that person before you grumble to the pastor. Amen? It's, uh, it's not my idea. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17, gives us Jesus' formula for how we resolve conflicts. And the first step is to go to the person with whom you have the conflict. Bless Pastor Jeremy by not taking your interpersonal relationship problems to him before you've sat down with the person with whom you have grumble. That would save Jeremy a lot of aggravation. A whole lot of the stress that's placed on Jeremy is our inability as sheep to get along with one another. Amen? Amen. Alright? First, we go to each other. Now, if it's a ministry thing, if there's something in a ministry that you think needs to be improved or changed or addressed, rather than going to Pastor Jeremy, unless it's his preaching that's your concern, track down who the ministry head is that's responsible for that ministry. Now, Pastor Jeremy, you know, he's responsible for the whole thing. He's over all the ministry heads. But before you go to him with a concern about the youth ministry or a concern about the women's ministry or whatever ministry it is that you have an issue with, find out who the head of that ministry is. Make an appointment to speak with them first. If it can't be resolved at that level, then together with that ministry head, set up a time to sit down with Pastor Jeremy. There are some things he needs to get involved with when it comes to ministry resolutions, but not every single one. And don't, don't short-circuit the person directly responsible for that ministry. That would be a real blessing to Pastor Jeremy if when you had a concern regarding a ministry that you went to the people responsible for that ministry first. All right, grumble. Oh, I also have some practical advice here. This isn't from the Bible, so this is, this is ex cathedra. Is that, this is speaking of, without any authority other than my own personal experience, which is dangerous to preach from. So I'm not, this isn't a preaching point. This is practical suggestion. Don't ever give constructive criticism to a pastor on Sunday. Bad timing, right? Simply because they won't remember because their mind's focused on something completely different. And don't give them constructive criticism on a Monday either, right? Uh, Monday is like a real low emotional time for people who, who do what Jeremy does. You know, it's a time to like chill out and go to Taco Bell. It's not the time to take the phone call from the parishioner who has all kinds of concerns. Monday's not the day. Right? So, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday work really well, but Sunday and Monday, you know, if you can hang on to it, now if it's, you know, a crisis situation, that's one thing, but if it's a concern that can wait, try to avoid those two days. And also, um, take a lesson from Dale Carnegie. Um, you know, preface your grumble with a few words of encouragement. You know, soften them up a little bit. Tell him what a great job he's doing. But, you know, that's just kind of a no-brainer. All right, the S. Sabbath. 
Sabbath. Some of you are going, what is that? It's an indication of where our society has gone that we don't even know what Sabbath means, let alone practice it. The Sabbath, it's the fourth of the Big Ten Commandments, right? The Great, the great Big Ten. Number four, it's, uh, it's found in Exodus 20, verse 8. You can turn there if you'd like. The Lord commands us to keep a Sabbath day set aside for rest. Now, I'm convinced from my own non-scientific research and survey that the commandment that more pastors break than any other commandment is number four, keeping the Sabbath, honoring the Sabbath. Now, granted, Jesus did redefine the Sabbath, and there are times in the pastorate where pastors work straight through and don't take any time off, but there's always light at the end of the tunnel. The principle hasn't changed. The principle is rest. It's part of the cycle. It's part of the way it works. If you pin your tachometer to the red line for too long, you blow a gasket. Now, I'm not going to accuse Jeremy of doing that, but let's just say he's home with the flu this morning. Right? He's home with the flu. If you go too fast for too long, something, something breaks. The Sabbath is a, is a biblical principle. We can bless Jeremy by honoring his Sabbath. What do I mean by that? Jeremy uh, takes Friday and Saturday as Sabbath time. I'm not going to call it a day off. That's different. This is Sabbath time. It's rest time. It's time to, to be with his family. It's time to be in the Word. It's time to not be about the business of the church. Now, are there times on a Friday or, or Saturday that you need the pastor? Hey, you're getting married on a Saturday. You need the pastor. You know, you have a, a, a death in your family and there's a funeral on one of those days. You need the pastor. I understand that. But if you're planning a ministry event and you want Jeremy to speak at it, can you avoid Saturday? Is it possible? It's a challenge. I'm asking you to bless your pastor. It means some sacrifices to do it. But if, if Jeremy is consistently asked to break the fourth commandment, over time, our whole congregation will pay a price. And I believe a great price. We need to bless Pastor Jeremy by not calling his house on Friday or Saturday. We need to bless Pastor Rich by not calling him at 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. No, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, now the real one, the big one. If you don't do any of the other five, I don't care. But this one I'm going to challenge all of us to be about. P-R-A-Y. You ain't got no alibi. Ain't no excuse for not doing this one. Pray. If we want to bless our pastor, I believe that setting aside five minutes a day and expending about 30, not even, 20 calories maybe. Five minutes, 20 calories, and you can do it just about anywhere will be the single greatest blessing to our pastor. Greater than the whole list above combined. If every single one of us here this morning, if every member of our church, if every regular attender who has put their faith in Jesus Christ were to commit to pray for Pastor Jeremy every single day and to pray for our church along with praying for the pastor, I believe that would have a significant impact on the life and growth and blessings of our church. I honestly believe that in spite of Jeremy's great preaching and teaching, the reason our church is experiencing prosperity and growth is because there are a lot of people who are very faithfully praying. Oh, think what God could do if there were more. Will you commit right now, right here and right now, for one week, for the next seven days, every day, to remember Pastor Jeremy in your prayers? Can you do that? It's a small thing to ask. I must confess to you that this weekend I've probably spent more time praying for the Red Sox than for my pastor. <laughs> I won't take full responsibility for him having the flu. You know, if I had prayed harder, he'd be in the pulpit this morning. I, I, won't, I won't go there. But seriously, it doesn't take a lot of effort or a lot of time to remember our pastor in, in prayer. It's really a fairly, fairly simple thing for us to do. But it's a discipline. We have to... We have to remind ourselves to do it. We have to put ourselves in, in a posture, in a position uh, 
uh, on our knees every day before the Lord and remember our pastor and our church. I put together a, uh, about 6 o'clock last night off the internet. I stole some material. Actually, that the person who put this together that I've modified said that, it, that we have permission to uh, modify this material and to use it. So it is with permission. Um, it's a, a guide to daily prayer for Pastor Jeremy. And the way I'd like to uh, conclude this sermon before we go to the Lord's table is to invite us all as a congregation uh, to spend some time together in, in prayer for our pastor and for our church. So if those I asked to help me distribute these would come up at this point, try to get these passed around. To Someone could hit the balcony. That would be great too. You got the balcony, all right. This is in no way a comprehensive list. It's a skeleton of a list, but it's a good starting point. It's a good starting point. It would take you about 45 seconds each day if all you prayed for for Jeremy was the few little bullet points that are down here for each day of the week. I would love it if you wanted to pray all of those bullet points every day for Pastor Jeremy. That might take you five minutes. But if we can get in the habit and the discipline of praying regularly, consistently, daily for our church and for our pastor, man, this sermon's been worth it. Now, not to be arrogant, but I think that what I'm preaching this morning can have as big an impact on our congregation as anything Jeremy's preaching from the book of Isaiah. Not because I'm preaching it, but because prayer is powerful. And if we commit to doing it and start disciplining ourselves to remember our pastor in prayer, Jeremy will be built up and encouraged. He'll be empowered. And our church will be empowered. And we'll go forward in ways that we haven't seen God move yet. Praise God for how He's moving. Can God move even more powerfully than we see Him now in our midst? Absolutely. The best ministry is yet to be done. And it's kind of selfish too because you know, Pastor Jeremy is a really good friend of mine and I want him to be hanging out in this place till the Lord returns. I want him strong and vibrant and dynamic, full of energy and life and vitality and preaching uh, strong biblical sermons that come out of his, the depth of his own personal relationship with the Lord. And for that to happen, we need to surround him with prayer because there's someone out there that wants to knock him down, trip him up and... Uh, cause him to stumble. So has everybody got a copy of this? Uh... Thanks. So when we're done with our prayer time now, we will have a communion. Seth will lead us to the Lord's table. But I, I ask you, don't leave this in the pew, unless they're extras. Fold it in half, stick it in your Bible, and put it somewhere where you'll see it tomorrow, and it will remind you to pray for Pastor Jeremy. Turn over to the back side and add additional prayer concerns as you think of ways in which to pray for Pastor Jeremy. Because this certainly isn't, this isn't a comprehensive list by any stretch of the imagination. It's just a skeleton, just a beginning point. So here's how I'd like to do this. Even though we're Baptists, I think we can get away with this and pull us off. This will be a little bit without, without an extreme amount of order. But I would like um, us to pray topically uh, through this list. And I'll start with Pastor Jeremy's ministry. And then anyone who wants to pray a prayer regarding that topic. And then we'll pray for Pastor Jeremy's relationship with God rather than... Forget about the days for now. And anything on this list or anything that's related to that topic, anyone that wants to just lift to the Lord a concern or a blessing for our pastor, please do that good and loudly right from where you're sitting. And at the end, I'll just sum up with a concluding prayer and we'll go to the Lord's table. Sound like a plan? Let's pray for our pastor and our church. Father, we come to you totally dependent upon you. We thank you that you have blessed us in so many ways. We thank you that you've blessed us with the Rennie family and Pastor Jeremy and his leadership and his preaching. And now, Lord, we take some time to focus our prayers on our pastor and on our church. Lord, we pray our prayers now for Pastor Jeremy's ministry.
Father, we pray for Pastor Jeremy's personal relationship with you. Father, we pray for Pastor Jeremy's attitude. leadership, guidance, and direction. protection and health.
for stewardship and priorities. Pastor Jeremy and his family. Father, we thank you and praise you uh, for loving us and sending us Christ. And we thank you as a congregation for sending us a dynamic, godly young man to pastor us. Uh, God, I thank you for Jeremy, for his leadership, for his friendship, uh, for his example and his faith. God, I thank you that he's not in crisis, that he's depending upon you, uh, that he is healthy and growing in his own walk with you that he's encouraged in what you're doing here at South Shore Baptist. But Lord, I pray that we wouldn't wait till he's in crisis to start faithfully praying for him, that that would begin now, that those of us who haven't been praying daily for our pastor, Lord, that we would do that and that that would be pleasing and glorifying to you, that you would smile as we bring our concerns for our pastor before you each day. Lord, it's for your glory that we want to do everything here at South Shore Baptist Church. So we pray that you would find glory in our prayers for our pastor this morning. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. People of the Lord said? Pastor Jeremy will come and lead us to the Lord's table. Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Seth. Wow, maybe I need a Sabbath. Thank the Lord. As we're coming now to take the Lord's Supper... We're taking the bread and the juice which the Lord Jesus commanded us to take to remember his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. Can I have the elders come and join me here?
and as they come, just a, a comment. The, uh, the Lord's Supper is a sacred covenant meal. The Lord Jesus Christ commanded us to, to keep this in remembrance of him, to take these things and, uh, and to remember him in doing so. It's a special commitment meal. You know, uh, just in the same way that you, you, know, you might not put a ring on your left hand uh, fourth finger because of the, it's, a, it's a wedding ring finger. In the same way you wouldn't want to take the Lord's Supper if you didn't have that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you hadn't found him as your Savior. So first, find the Lord Jesus Christ. Call out to him. Believe in him. Hear the good news and be saved. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then, think about taking the Lord's Supper, receiving baptism, joining a church. These are the things that the Lord Jesus has commanded his disciples to do. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, uh, you don't have to be a member of this church. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and you're his follower, you're welcome to the Lord's table. It's not our table. It's not a Baptist table. It's the Lord's table. And the scripture tells us that on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread in the presence of his disciples at the Last Supper and he broke it before them and he gave it to them and he said, take this, all of you. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if the elders will come and uh, Rick, could I ask you to lead us in prayer and give thanks for the body of Christ. Our Father, we come before you again thanking you so much for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf by sacrificing your own Son and our Lord and Savior Jesus that we might be made whole, that our sins might be covered and we, we just give you praise for that and we don't deserve that uh, uh, being made right but uh, that's how you chose to do it and we just uh, humbly thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, his broken body on the cross for our sins. And uh, we pray these things through his name. Just take this time to quietly come before the Lord, pray to him, seek his presence, lift your heart to him. If there's any sin in your life that needs to be confessed, uh, keep short accounts with God. Get things straight between you and your maker.
body of Christ, the bread of heaven, take and eat. Feed on the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. In the same way, after supper, the Lord Jesus took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said, Drink this, all of you. This cup is my blood of the new covenant shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so if the elders would come again and uh, Jerry, could I ask you to give thanks for the blood of Christ? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son to die for us. The Lamb of God was sacrificed on the altar for each one of us, and yet none of us deserve it. Our sins, our hearts are dark, and yet with your blood they are cleansed, clean, and pure. And Lord, we thank you so much for that. And I pray for anyone here who has had that experience today that they will see something different here, Lord, and reach out to you. In Jesus' name, amen. is being passed, we're going to sing. sing together of the, the depth of the Lord's great love chorus.
What sorrow was his? What joy is ours? Life by his death. And he rose again. Take drink. If you haven't found Christ, seek the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is calling you, calling you to come to know him. And he wants to work in your life, transform you, make you new, and pour out his grace in your life. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, be with us today. Lift our eyes to see, to see you and your majesty, to see beyond the things that surround us, to see that you surround us. Now go with us as we go our different ways, Father. Keep us in your grace. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.